Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, I guess we have to talk to Matt Pauley early because he's got stuff to do today. So Matt Pauley, who is busy and on the Quiver River Electric guest line today, he is the host of Sports Open Line. He is the host of pre and post game coverage and our wonderful Countdown to Opening Day show, which happens on Thursday evenings from 6 until 8 p.m. Today, it's brought to you by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back, family-owned and top-rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. Matt Pauley, it's getting real close, baby, real close. It is. Um, you're mocking like tone of my voice was not appreciated, but that's all right, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you saying? Um, He's, um, Matt, don't take it personally. He's been on one today. So I'll, I'll tell you why we had to do this early today. Maybe you'll take back your uh, your sarcasm for well, a we'll moment see. ago. Um, former Cardinal Matt Adams, I am going to be uh, talking with him at Cardinals Nation Restaurant and Bar inside of Ballpark Village, where I am sitting right now. Oh. Uh, he is getting set to play a professional season in Mexico this year, and he's got a hitting session this afternoon at 1 o'clock. So in order to uh, come on our show, we had to push it up to 1130. So that's when I'm going to be talking with Matt. So uh, Matt Adams is the reason I'm doing this a little early, and I think that's totally fine. So actually, I think you uh, you owe an apology to Matt Adams right now. Amy, do, are we allowing this? Do we I, allow it? Listen, is this okay? I'm on Matt Pauly's side. I think oh, are you? I think you're in the wrong. Oh, okay. Um, Matt, so you're you're at Cardinals Nation, you said, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Can, people can come eat lunch. Watch the interview, say hi. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Matt's going to be here in about 25 minutes or so. We're going to record a conversation with him. and love for people to uh, stop on by. Uh, your parking will get taken care of. Just come on in here, uh, have yourself a meal, Excellent. and they will validate your parking. So you don't have to worry about that. They've got a great menu here. And, uh, yeah, so that's what we got going on today. So the Cardinals will report to spring training in a matter of weeks here. Um, it's all going to happen this month. So, like I said, we're, we're getting up on it. And when it's 65 degrees in St. Louis, like it is or going to be today, we're not quite there yet. It, it really does have a spring feel, uh, Matt. So uh, do, do you feel like you're in baseball mode? Yeah, I do. And... I'd still like some things to change with the roster, and there's a million free agents that are available. It's just, it is remarkable. We are less than two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and there are a lot of free agents that are still there. There's four guys who are considered top 10 free agents going into this offseason who have yet to, yet to sign deals with Bellinger and Chapman and, uh, and Snell and Montgomery. So uh, it's, it, that, uh, it, to me, it feels like the story is really starting to shift into that, that there's so many guys available. When are they going to start signing? Because the last thing anybody wants, especially from a pitching standpoint, is to show up late to spring training. So these guys have got to start signing their deals uh, sooner than later. So what do you think is going to happen here? I know we ask this question pretty much every, every time we talk. Um, with the days dwindling and all of those free agents available, 
What do you think happens here? Yeah, I still think they sign at least one relief pitcher. Probably not at least one, probably one. That, that, that's the better way to say it. I still think they add to their bullpen uh, somebody that's a veteran that they can trust in high leverage spots. You want somebody that if you're up by one in the seventh inning, you feel comfortable handing the ball to. And they just don't have a ton of those guys uh, as it sits right now. So I think they're going to sign one of those. What I'm most interested in is what happens if a Jordan Montgomery and a Blake Snell just don't don't have offers that they, they want from a long-term perspective, and all of a sudden they say, you know what, we'll try this again next year, and they, they look at a one-year deal. Or what if all of a sudden the White Sox, I know they seem content to just hold on to Dylan Cease right now, oh, uh, but, but what if at the last moment they say, you know what, this just isn't going to work having this guy in our clubhouse this year. I, when When you're coming up on spring training, sometimes the urgency of that makes things happen. Not that I'm expecting that. Bluntly, I'm not expecting that. But it is something that I'm going to uh, keep an eye on because there's just so many guys available. At some point, the, the pressure shifts from the, the, play, the teams to make moves to the players to find spots, if that makes sense. I, I can't recall which general manager it was. It might have been Milwaukee's. Uh, I don't know. Um, who said that the, the asking price for... For Cease was just extraordinary, so they were they were out. And if if guys aren't getting signed and teams are not willing to trade a bunch of of you know assets in order to to get somebody like that, I don't know. You would think that a one year deal for somebody like Montgomery might end up being viable. You know, I think he deserves more than that for sure. But um, if that's if he has to settle for something, I guess it's possible a one year contract. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's likely, but I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If you sit there and say, you know what, the long-term deals that I'm getting offered right now just do not provide the amount of annual average value that I'm looking for in 2025, 2026, 2027. Maybe you do say, you know what, let's let's find a one-year deal where I'm going to make pretty good money for one year, and let's just try this again next year and see if it's a little bit different. Maybe the maybe the TV situation is going to be different next year and owners and teams across baseball are a little bit more willing to spend money. I do think at some point in time that happens, you're betting on yourself. The thing, you know, specifically to Jordan Montgomery, the thing that really stinks about that is he is just coming off an incredible performance in the playoffs, helping the Rangers to a world series. And as we sat there and watched that, we said over and over and over, Oh man, how much money is Jordan Montgomery making himself uh, with this? He's, is he going to be a $30 million kind of guy? Is he going to, you know, how many years is he going to get? And now all of a sudden we're, what, 12 days from pitchers and catchers reporting, and he doesn't have a deal, and I'm bummed for him because you do all this work as a professional athlete to have a year and to have a moment like he had last year, and maybe he's just not going to see the payoff for it. Do you think, because it, it's been this way now for a few years, uh, t- this uh, 2024, this 23-24 offseason has been worse than a lot of other years with so many free agents still available as we get into February. What do you think is going on here? What is what is your take on why all of these guys remain unsigned, and there are a lot of them who could help teams? Yeah, I think there's a few things going on. I think the first thing is the TV money. There's just so much uncertainty in what's going to happen with the regional sports networks. Uh, we've talked about this before. Sometimes teams and owners find reasons to be more worried about the future than be confident in the future. And I think that's happening uh, from a 
from just a dollars and cents standpoint, uh, when you've got guys under club control who maybe will give you a little bit less than what one of these free agents will give you, but will cost exponentially less. I think teams look at that and say you get more bang for your buck with some of these, uh, you know, club control type players, which I don't like that. Go, go find a guy that's going to make your team better. Uh, and what surprises me about this is because you're right. We were, we were having these super slow off seasons for years and that, that just added to the animosity between players and owners leading into the last CBA, which they got worked out. And then last year was a, felt like kind of a normal back in the day off season guys were getting signed pretty early and he thought okay this is this is the result of the new cba we're going to get back to this and then one year later it's back to moving as slow as molasses and it's just disappointing it's bad for baseball we need people should be this time of year we should be talking about the 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 team storylines and the team narratives we shouldn't be talking about free agents that's something that in the, the the baseball narrative calendar, that should be happening in November and December and a little bit into January. So I'm just I'm bummed out that it's working out this way. Well, you know, you're talking about TV contracts and and this being the reason that a lot of owners will use for this uncertainty. We don't know. We can't take on too much risk here. We don't know what's going to happen. And then you see Peter Angelos um, <laughs> selling. The Baltimore Orioles this week, Buster Olney reporting it, for $1.75 billion. He bought the team for $173 million. So, hmm. so every single owner in major professional sports, if they sold their teams today, would make an absolute killing. An absolute killing. I never want to hear them talk about what a risk this is, and they're not really sure. But people will buy it. People will will. They will take their word at it. Oh, man, all that TV money's evaporating. You know what? If it's such a risk, sell the team because you're about to make a billion dollars. Yeah, and the TV money's not going to evaporate. It may look a little bit different. You know, Amazon is trying to give a lifeline to Bally. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure Major League Baseball is going to approve that because Amazon really wants to grab the streaming rights. And right now, Bally only owns the streaming rights for like three or four or five teams. It's not that many. It's not the Cardinals. The Cardinals retain uh, their own streaming rights. Amazon is not trying to get involved in this because they want to be running a regional sports network on, on, on cable systems across the country. They want to have access to streaming. So they, they're looking at this as the front door to walk into a room where somebody's going to start granting them streaming rights. And I'm just not convinced that it's going to go down that way. Hey, Matt, this is a little... Uh... I guess behind the uh, the fancy closed doors, but the Cardinals hired a new vice president for business operations from the Toronto Blue Jays. He's actually a Wash U grad. Um, I want to make sure I say his last name correctly. So it, it's Anouk Karuna Ronte. I'm not 100 percent sure, to be perfectly honest. Okay. We were talking about that yesterday. It was- there was no pronouncer in the uh, in the press release, unfortunately. Okay. Um, do you know much about uh, Anouk other than that? I know he was with the Toronto Blue Jays and that he went a long way in helping the Blue Jays and the fan experience through the COVID debacle and all of that and just making sure, you know, that that went smoothly there. Kind of cool that he's a Wash U grad coming back. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy when you look at his resume. I haven't gotten the chance to meet him or talk to him yet. I'm looking forward to being able to do that. Uh, he's got some like baseball background, baseball operations background when it comes to 
data and analytics, and he's got the, the business side of it as well. Uh, it was really tough for Toronto during the COVID year because of you couldn't cross the border. Right. So they were playing games in three different cities, and he was running that. He's big into fan experience and things you can do. So uh, he's a really important person in this organization who's coming in, and it's going to be fun to see uh, what kind of things he, he does. Sometimes it's good to get uh, that, that outside voice, and mm-hmm. that's what the Cardinals are getting with him. Yeah, I mean, brilliant guy. It seems he's got a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering and then served as a research assistant for WashU's medical school. So I don't kind of like you said, an interesting guy, a cool background. I like the local connection, and he really had to help the Blue Jays navigate a tough situation during the COVID years. Yeah, and he's uh, just trying to fill some really big shoes because Dan Farrell was incredible in what he did, and he had his hands in so many different things with the way the organization was run. So when he when he retired, that was uh, that was something that the Cardinals need to figure out: who are we bringing in? What skill set do we want them to have? What uh, what type of things do we want them to be doing? So yeah, it's going to be fun to see maybe the you know what how he gets his hands prints on this organization right away. Countdown to opening day tonight with uh, Matt Pauley and Matt Adams. He is a guest on the show. Cardinals getting ready for spring training. It's, it's happening this month. I, you know what I'm singing in my head? Yeah. Meet the mats. Greet the mats. Six to eight o'clock tonight. Matt Pauley here on KMOX. Goodbye, Matt. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. That was uh, Wasn't that stupid, Matt? What? That was stupid. Well, Matt, hello. Man, that was no, dumb, right? it was fun. Was that fun or stupid? It's Matt, Polly, and Matt Adams. How can you not agree? He oh. hung up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. He said enough of that Jesus nonsense. <laughs> Did he know we were talking to him? Yeah, and he hung up and on he you. He said, up. okay, that's this is outrageous nonsense. <sighs> I have to talk to Matt Adams here. So, conversation with Matt Adams tonight. Matt, Polly, countdown to opening day, six to, six to eight Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Night on KMOX. I, I hate to do this, but man, we got to keep talking about Taylor. Oh Swift. God, really? What did she do now? She didn't do anything. She a Pentagon asset? I think so. You think so? Yeah. Listen. Uh, let's hold on. Let's see Wait, if you can hear this. Let's see what she did. This is this is good preparation by us. Taylor Swift's the biggest star in the world. Sorry, Gutfeld. She's been blanketed across the sports media entertainment atmosphere. The New York. Oh, I screwed up. I believe in you. Just speculated she's a lesbian. And last year's tour broke Ticketmaster. A tour that's revenue tops the GDP of 50 countries. I mean, I like her music. She's all right. But I mean, have you ever wondered why or how she blew up like this? Well, around four years ago, the Pentagon Psychological Operations Unit floated turning Taylor Swift into an asset during a NATO meeting. What kind of asset? A PSYOP for combating online misinformation. Listen. You came in here wanting to understand how you just go out there and counter an information operation. So, uh, 
Okay. Okay. Let's uh, listen. Let's try to. This this happened a couple of days ago. That's Jesse Waters from Fox News. Okay, he the primetime host, floating the conspiracy theory yeah. that Taylor Swift and her popularity mm-hmm, is just mm-hmm. a uh, Pentagon psyop to help get Joe yeah. Biden elected. Um, here's here's what I have to say. Yeah, get a life. Go touch grass. Do something <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. get offline, and just be a normal. Human. I said this during the game this past weekend. He said, the crazy right-wing people are turning me into a Swifty because they've lost their minds. One of my favorite things recently has been listening to conservative podcasts that I normally listen to or read conservative writers and hearing them say the right, like the Jesse Waters, if they... They're absolutely bizarre. Rich Lowry, who I don't agree with a lot, but I I read the National Review. I listen to his podcast. He said, quote, well, he he said, when you look at Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, he's like, if you're a traditional Americana love stories, this, you know, big football star, masculine man, and then a, you know, a feminine girlfriend who goes and is a cheerleader for him. This is as Americana Hallmark movie as it gets. And Rich Lowry said, if these people like Jesse Waters, who are saying that it's a conspiracy, quote, these people are so weird. Charles Cook, also with the National Review, said, quote, they are freaks, totalitarian freaks. And he, the reason why he said totalitarian freaks, he says not in the form of authoritarianism, but totalitarian in that politics for these very political right wingers. Politics is the totality of everything. He said, you know, some things are just apolitical. Sometimes there's a singer or an athlete who's just playing sports or doing a commercial. Not hey, it's everything cool if, is political. It's cool if Ted Nugent is conservative. That's cool. Right. It's cool if Kid Rock is conservative and loves Donald well, Trump. That's okay. And but first of all, let's let's get to the bottom line here. So she weird. hasn't even done anything no. yet. She hasn't endorsed anybody. And the weirdo Matt Walsh, who's like that super masculinity, whatever, even he said he was incredulous at the pushback against her. He goes, if you made a list of the most offensive or objectionable pop stars, Taylor Swift wouldn't even break the top 50. So what she's voting Biden, all relevant entertainers basically vote Democrat. First of all, she, she hasn't endorsed anybody. Secondly, this is all about three things. Yeah. Travis Kelsey. He endorsed Bud Light and Pfizer, those two, mm-hmm. and then she might endorse Joe Biden. That's what this is about. That's what the outrage is about. It's so silly because none of it has actually happened. No, she endorsed him in 2020. No one's blaming the victory on her people. Chris and Amy on KMOX. China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security make it the defining threat of our generation. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities. That is Director of the FBI, uh, Christopher Wray, testifying at a uh, select committee about the dangers of China participating in hacking, and uh, more than what we've seen in the past, they say they're actively doing it right now, Amy. Yeah, that's um, right now. We have George Rosenthal, president and founder of ThrottleNet, uh, your friend, 
of KMOX, a friend of Studio B, George. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the Chris and Amy show. And uh, I guess my first question is China, huh? Yeah, <laughs> China. You know, every, everybody uh, has been second guessing, oh, China's not an enemy, China's not an enemy. Uh, but in the cyber world, we've been dealing with this for years. Uh, literally, I mean, at ThrottleNet, we deal with this constantly. This is a weekly basis attack. It's not just the whole Russia and, you know, some groups in South America. Um, China is, I mean, the way you fight a new war these days isn't with missiles and guns. It's with hacking into yeah. the infrastructure. Yeah. If you shut down the cell towers, you can't call 911. How many people have a landline at home? How many people, if you need a fire truck to show up and you've shut down the cell infrastructure, you're talking about mass hysteria in this country. Uh, And that's what they're aiming for. Just a sidebar here. That's one of the reasons there is a push to keep AM radio um, in cars. A lot of of electric vehicles are doing away with them. But AM radio doesn't go down when the cell towers go down. That's right. Like we, I always say, when... Uh, the end of the world comes, the cockroaches right. will be listening to KMOX. To KMOX. Yeah. That's, That's right. true. Um, but to your point, with the way war is being fought now, I read a book, This Is How They Tell Me the World Ends, by Nicole Perlroth. She's a New York Times uh, technology reporter. And looking at what they call zero day, right? Yeah. When yeah. one country, which you know, has all of our information, can shut down the grid. We can do it to each other. It's almost like the new nuclear war, the new um, mutually assured destruction. That's right. With with this cyber attack, potentially. But she had to get therapy after writing the book because she said it's so overwhelming. We are on the precipice, precipice of disaster at all times. Our information's all out there that she had to have therapy because yeah. it was so psychologically damaging. It, it is. And that's, well, here's the thing. It can be, it can totally be overwhelming. Yeah. It can be absolutely just stressful as can be. But I want everybody out there to know one thing. Do not depend on the federal government to protect your business to protect what you're doing in your own life. Go out there and take action. I know we're the show me state and nobody believes anything until it happens to me. Uh, but look, China is not coming directly at a specific dentist office or an accounting firm. They're sending out mass amounts of text messages on your phone, emails that to your, to your uh, computer that look like FedEx or UPS or the IRS. Now the tax season's coming. And I'm telling you, that is something that when you click one thing, whether you're an employee or whether you're an business owner, one click on a text message on your phone, one click on an email, and China is going to go in there and do that, or Russia or whomever is going to go in and they're going to start watching you. Now, they watch for an average of 110 days. And in oh most God. cases, we'll get into your email and start reading your email. And you say, ah, well, I'm nobody. What kind of importance am I? Well, if you work somewhere and you have a job, they're going to start reading your email about the customers you're servicing and then start extorting money when they know that you're halfway through a particular job or project. Then they can go in and start doing other kinds of malicious things like holding you ransom, locking up your files, and so forth. So it's everybody's job. It's everybody's duty to protect themselves. Yes, the government's going to protect, like, your Social Security information. Of course, that's a federally uh, managed thing. But, yes, uh, we have several customers now that are the water department, the local water companies. And it's important that they protect themselves. That infrastructure, transportation, um, of course, we mentioned the cell towers. But those are major things that not every individual can handle. You need to focus on what you can handle, and that is going to be your job and your business. And you need to focus on how to make sure you're protected. Uh, I want to get back to uh, the individual, the business, and all that. But what what I'm taking away from what uh, Christopher Ray is saying is that we're, we're talking about 
not just the individual that they're going after. We're, we're talking um, cutting down communication so that the military can't mm. talk to each other, so they can't communicate. Um, water facilities, like I think you mentioned yep. that. There's a lot of stuff here that on yes. a national level is yes. a very big problem potentially. Yeah, in fact. And they're actively doing it right now. Right crying. now. Yeah. Oh, in fact, in, in, the FBI director said that the FBI uh, basically stopped a malware attack by Volt Typhoon. Uh, and its implications were massive on a massive level. It was malware that was sitting in the background just listening and watching oh. and waiting for the right time. Because they don't act right away. Like I said, they, they monitor these things. Now, you also have to take into account, and I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but like some geopolitical issues is we're in an election year is Taiwan safe so the way that's interesting that Jen Easterly she's the director of cybersecurity and infrastructure uh, mentioned that look ransom attacks on US businesses and critical systems are aimed to induce societal panic so if you're yeah. trying to distract your enemy while you go and do other things, that's a way to do that and go in and take down their power grids, look at their cell towers, their water companies and so forth. I mean, look what happened in Florida a few years ago. Um, a group in Russia changed the ingredients. They, they watched this, this water company in Florida, changed the ingredients and found that a new employee was hired. And the ingredients of lye, of how much lye should go into the water treatment, was changed for the new employee. And it was way more than oh, what should wow. have gone in. And thankfully, since there was a new employee, an experienced employee was there to say, uh-uh, this is way too much lye to put into this water treatment and stop people from being poisoned. Oh and that God. was just a few years ago. Yeah. So that's what they're doing. When I say they're hurting the water system, they change things and watch what's going on. So I, my understanding is that historically what they've done in recent years is that they have tried to hack into businesses to gain proprietary information so that they can, you know, take a technology and and they can uh, advance it from there because they might be years behind on something. So this is well beyond that now. Yes. So it, it, it still is all about the money for the smaller groups. The groups are all about getting into your company in any way that they can, text, email, so forth, social engineering, and then locking up your files and then forcing you to pay a ransom in order for to get money, okay? So it's a multi, multi, hundred billion dollar industry around the world right now. But when you talk about a government coming after you, which is what this this uh, committee hearing was about yesterday, uh, that is when you're talking about country versus country and interrupting societal uh, doings just so that you can cause trouble. Uh, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard. It was like one yeah. of the last ones. Yeah. You remember the thing called a fire sale? No. You don't I remember that? No. Where they shut down the traffic grid, then they shut down natural gas, then they shut down the power grid. Then they shut down the water supply. And it was a mass attack, cyberly, all done coordinated. And what's scary is that's what Jen Easterly just said yesterday, that they are putting this malware out. Her, her exact phrase was everything, everywhere, all at once that they are thinking is coming, which is why they had this hearing to wake people up again. There's nothing you and I as individuals can go in and say, well, let's go fix the power grid. That, that's going to be a larger entity. So we have to look after ourselves. But um, that is also like one thing I, I really agree with General, uh, I think it's Nakasone. He's the commander of U.S. Cyber Command. And he did mention them bringing back Section 702 of the FISA Amendment in 2008. And what this does is it permits the government to conduct targeted surveillance on foreign uh, people outside the United States using their cell communications and their, commu their Internet communications to spy on foreign entities that they think are going to hurt the United States. Now, that was dropped. 
Um, it's a dangerous precedent, I know, because you're spying on foreign folks that are not in the country. But yeah. we're doing that right now with terrorists anyway through the CIA and NSA. So that's something I think the general was correct in wanting to bring back that Section 702. We'll see if that happens or not. Um, but it was just an eye-opening uh, committee hearing to hear all of this. And what's wild in our industry, we see it every day on a local level uh, with small businesses and so forth. But now to hear that they're finally admitting on a national level that, hey, these guys are out there. We just stopped a malware attack that could have taken down the power grid. Um, one thing that I thought was very disturbing was when the FBI director said, if we took every single cyber um, employee, so to speak, team member of the FBI, and pointed them at China, we would still be down 50 to 1. Wow. That's how big mm-hmm. their cyber teams are in China. 50 to 1. So, I mean, and that's if you ignore all the rest of the world. So if you took all the FBI's resources and pointed them at China, we're still down 50 people to 1. So defunding the FBI is a bad idea? Probably right me? now. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, when we talk about this, they could take down the power grid, uh, they could take down water supplies. You know, my my first uninformed reaction is, man, we got to diversify these things so that it's not just one power grid. But the thing is, it's it, you're saying, no, 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 it's not one grid. They're just able to get into everything, so all of them. That is what the FBI director is hinting at. And so is so is Jen Easterly, director of cybersecurity and infrastructure. But. They're saying that they're already there, that the malware was detected already, that they Mm -hmm. have been sitting around watching these different entities to see how it all operates. And then what Jen Easterly was saying is when the time is right, they pull the trigger and then do these things all at once. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did shut down the Colonial Pipeline for a week, and that shut down all the natural gas on the eastern seaboard. So that was one example of of how it can happen. So I know we, a lot of people out there are probably like, well, this is some some sci-fi movie stuff. No, it, it's real. This is the world we live in now. And with AI, it's helping, artificial intelligence is helping these groups create these very convincing emails and text messages and, and algorithms to get into systems or convince you to click on a link. And it could just be an employee at the power company that gets something on their t- on their phone or gets something on their on their email and uh, that goes back to bringing your own device to work is going to be a big thing in the future where groups and businesses and entities government and and uh, in the private sector are going to start having to change the policies on what kinds of devices you can bring to work and have on the Wi-Fi have on the internet because you click one thing and you could take down the entire company the entire entity etc uh, but you won't know it until it's too late so on an individual level, because this is the the the, um, the federal government is going to have to continue to work very hard at this. What can individuals do so that they can, you know, at least contribute to helping stop it? Absolutely. So one thing I would say, everybody who's listening probably has a job and probably either, either that or owns a company. The key is being aware of what you're doing on the internet and what you're doing on your phone. If you don't know who's texting you for everything, just don't click a link. They can put software on your phone that watches what you're doing. Then that can go into your house, and then when you're on your Wi-Fi, it then spreads to all your other devices in your house. That's on a personal level. Real quick, I've also heard that if you do get a text from a number you don't recognize, don't even engage with the text. Correct. Because what they're doing is phishing to see if it's an active number. Yes, and that you're a real person. Right. Yes. So don't interact with them at all. Just delete it. It happens all the time to me. Just delete it. On an email level, if you're expecting a package... Don't click the email or highlight the tracking number and go to UPS.com and type it in yourself. 
Don't. Yeah, that's one I do all the time because I am expecting a package, and so I click. Yes, don't click. Don't ever click. Just highlight, copy, paste into the actual website. Go to FedEx. One thing, look, we're approaching April. The IRS is not going to send you an email. Promise you. They will send you a letter Mm -hmm. in the mail that says you are here. Here's where you're at on your taxes. If you get an email from the IRS, do not click on anything, especially when you're inside of your company. Uh, you can completely infect the business. Uh, don't give out your password. I don't know if you remember the, the MGM uh, and Bellagio got hacked and shut down. Do you yep. remember the, the casinos? Yeah. Huge, yeah. For yeah, a yeah. week. A shut huge, down the resort. the Ocean's Eleven people. It sh- they, they literally did that through a phone call. So they got somebody's password, got into her email, monitored her email, and then called the internal employee support line and said, hey, I've got this project I got to get done. I can't get onto the network. Please help me. I forgot my password and begged and begged and worked their way in. And the the employee help desk sent them an email to reset your password. And when they did, they got into the network and shut down two hotels, resorts, online reservations, locked everybody out of their rooms, shut down the casino floor, all because literally they got into somebody's email and then made a phone call. So it's that simple to do that. So when we're talking about this big, crazy infrastructure stuff, it's it, it, when you really get down to it, it's not that hard to do. That's just, it. it's frightening, but I think if you're yeah. vigilant, you can yes. help stave off a lot of this Which stuff. Which is why I'm glad we had the hearing yesterday, and we're all now talking about it and mm. not just ignoring it. Okay, so when I got, uh, I had a package yesterday that came in, I got back-to-back emails. One said, hey, it's delivered, and the other one said, hey, sorry, we missed you. Um I clicked on both of them. Oh dear, is that is that bad? Yes, that's bad. Oh god, don't, don't do that. Oh my gosh, I told you not to <laughs> but it click was the on. Right, sorry, it was the we right, missed you. It was the right package. Well, yes, you got the package. I, thought it, was, you know? I thought it was a problem on their end. No, no. So if if that ever happens, go to Amazon or Target, whatever you bought the the package from, and then check that. What if status the website there. looks correct? Okay, well, that's the other thing. There's a lot of bad, malicious websites out there, and that's something that ThrottleNet actually helps protect everybody from is making sure that when you do go to a website that's bad, it will block it automatically to make sure that you don't get any blacklisted websites. Uh, That is definitely a way that employees and, and business owners get bad things on their and it's not by going to a bad and you know dirty website it's by going to a website that's tricking you it looks like a legitimate store but it or says a, ups with the uh, check mark uh-huh. it's got the little you blue badge. check mark oh yeah yeah okay yeah All don't right. do that no no right. no don't click don't, don't click. click on anything ever no. okay no uh, george rosenthal president and founder of throttle net thank you for the information thank you so much for having me it's hopefully Chris- i'm not doom and gloom no well well a little bit yeah kind of she he's like pam falk now i know Coming the, in with the all voice the voice of doom and gloom. That's right. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. So I think my email's okay. I I did a good email click. It wasn't yeah, a bad email. The click. key was ups.com. Yes. So and, I, and just to clarify, if you open an email and think it's suspicious, you're not in trouble because you opened the email. It's the links in the you email. You don't want to click on anything. You don't want to respond. Don't reply. That's why even there was, I think after this one TED talk about this guy who kind of went back and forth with the Nigerian prince scam, and it was pretty funny. I think people started to think it's kind of funny to respond sarcastically or pretend to be genuine in your response to these spammy calls or texts. But the problem is what you don't want to do is let them know it's a legit number. You don't want to respond that you're a person. So just don't respond at all, even if you're making a joke. And don't click any links. And one thing to do um, when you get an email, always check the delivery address where it's coming from, make sure it's not some weird, like, like, cause they could say, Hey, this is UPS. But then you look at the address and it's a bunch of random numbers. And sometimes like the logos are there and it looks pretty good. 
if it's random numbers, don't reply. And also, I like how banks will say, here's what we'll never do. We'll never call you and right. ask for this information. We'll yeah. never ask for you to respond to this. And that's always helpful. Again, a very important bit of information. If you get a text message and it seems off or you're not sure why it's coming to you, don't even respond to it because they are monitoring Mm -hmm. to see if it's even an active number. Right. Because sometimes they just send out these blast texts to numbers and whoever responds back. So if you get like if you get an email that says, if you don't do this, I am going to... Um, send photos of you yeah. that I have from your computer, and I'm going to send them out to everybody. Don't respond to any of it. Never respond to something that says like a Facebook message that where the subject line is, "No, not you too." <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I saw what you did. Yes, don't. They're oh, not real. Oh my gosh! Be careful. All right, we're going to bring back what we've already talked about today. We'll <laughs> recap the show next on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.